0: Minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the pack Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack-A-Day updates by following us on Twitter, at Pack-A-Day Podcast. And remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can always check us out at cheeseheadtv.com. My name is Kyle Fellows, and I am joined by my co-host, Andrew Mertig. Andrew, welcome back to another Friday edition of the show.
1: Thank you, Kyle. I am doing great. Obviously, this has been a huge week for Brian Gutekunst and the Packers, and we have a ton to cover. But first, we have some... Breaking news as of Thursday that Haha Clinton Dix has signed a one-year deal with the Chicago Bears, and I honestly thought that people were being too hard on Haha for a long time, and then I started to watch him on every play, and it was quite frankly laughable how bad he was at times. He seemed to stop playing hard at the end of 2017, and I attributed that to having never really been on a losing team before, um, but it, it carried over into last year, and I saw Washington's fans celebrate his acquisition on Twitter because it was pro football focus grade, and then watch their defense crumble because he refused to tackle, and he took atrocious angles, and now I see Bears fans making the same mistake. so let me make one thing clear. Haha Clinton Dix seems to be a fantastic person, and the work he does in the community should be celebrated. But he should no longer be considered a good football player, and he has to prove that he is better than what he has put on tape for the last year and a half. So celebrate all you want, Chicago Bears Twitter, um, but I would be very cautious about trusting in Mr. Clinton Dix.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I loved HaHa Clinton-Dix coming out of Alabama. Uh, the only player I wanted in that draft class more was Alabama linebacker C.J. Mosley, uh, but I was so thrilled when the Packers took him in that draft, and his career has been yeah, full, full of some high moments, but then more recently a lot more lows, and we've experienced that as Packer fans. Two things that will not be fixed by signing with Chicago are, as you said, his poor tackling, and uh, just his angles to the football, and that's just something that it seems like it would be hard for him to change just by a change of scenery. That said, I do think that playing ha-ha along someone like Eddie Jackson might help mask some of those deficiencies. So if you're a Bears fan and you're looking for some, like, redeeming hope here, I would say that that is uh, – there's a chance that maybe getting him out of some of those deep looks could be helpful in his coverage and those kinds of things. But uh, I think it is telling that he only earned a 3.5 million one one-year contract and that no team was going to commit long-term for a higher dollar amount. So that is interesting uh, on HaHa Clinton Dix. But I'm going to take Adrian Amos 100 times out of 100 over HaHa Clinton Dix.
1: Yeah, and the the other piece of breaking news today was that Jordy Nelson was released by the Oakland Raiders. And Packers Nation is aflutter with thoughts of bringing number 87 back to title down. I just have to say that I cannot understand the rationale here. Jordy is a great guy. This is the second time I've said he's a great guy. Uh, he's good looking, right? Some fans like that about him. He's <laughs> a family man. He's relatable to many... Wisconsinites and other Packer fans in a way that I do not want to have to address ways that maybe people are invested in guys like John Kuhn and TJ Lang. Um, but he's not the same productive receiver anymore. He's not a better option than Marquez Valdez Scantley right now. He's not a better option than Equinemius St. Brown. He's not a better option than Geronimo Allison. So are you going to bring back a guy to be your fourth or fifth receiver who can't play special teams? Of course not. I'll always be appreciative of what Jordy brought to Green Bay. I'll always remember him fondly. But we need to stop with all the sentimental stuff with the current roster. But maybe that's just me being really negative, as I always am. (laughs) What are your thoughts on Jordy? I
0: I actually tend to think you're usually an optimist. So uh, I'm going to take this with a a grain of truth here. And I, I agree with you completely that... You know, there's just not that much that has changed since last season when Brian Gutekunst decided that he did not want to bury these young receivers under someone like Jordy Nelson. And so I think moving forward, the best thing is to give those guys the thing that they've been lacking the most. And that is simply opportunities and and experience. So um, I think signing him would be nostalgic, you know, mostly just to bring him back because he is an all-time favorite amongst fans. He's one of my favorite players all time. But I think going forward, this team is better without Jordy Nelson. That said, we have some things to talk about. Uh, that have been taking place this week that are pretty exciting. And so we want to get in uh, to the Brian Gudekunst press conference just briefly. Um, If you were able to watch that a little bit today, some of us sat down, uh, rescheduled our days, because there was a 1 o'clock press conference scheduled that did not start until much later because uh, some of these players were taking uh, welcome videos and things like that. Uh, But when Brian Gutekunst did take the stand, um, they talked a little bit about some things that I thought were kind of interesting. Uh, He talked about the fact that these players that they've acquired are players that are in their prime. These are young players. These are players that are ascending. And so they made it a, an effort to, uh, to sign players that – are still in their prime and that are not on their way down the downward slope of their career. So I thought that was really interesting. Uh, Gudikins also talked about how health history was a big factor in which free agents they pursued, which I think is interesting considering how often we've seen uh, a dinged up or injured roster in the past. So making those two things a big priority was interesting for me to hear from Brian Gutekinds.
1: Yeah. And he also mentioned that they're still peeking at some of the other free agents and players who have just recently been released to see if they can help this team. So do you think there's any realistic options out there that would be good fits for Green Bay?
0: Yeah, I actually really like the idea of Zach Brown, uh, who was just released from Washington, would give them another athletic linebacker with familiarity with the Packers' new linebackers coach that came over from Washington. I don't know if that's something that they would pursue. He might command too big of a salary at this point, uh, but someone that could really help this team.
1: Yeah, and I really like the idea of Eric Berry. And, you know, I, I know you're going to call me crazy here because he's only played three games the last two season seasons but if he's healthy he is absolutely one of the best safeties in the league and even if he's not healthy he's a presence in the locker room that would really help out this defense
0: yeah um i really eric Berry's hard because he's such a legend and his name means so much But when I looked up his stats and saw that he'd only played those three games these last two seasons, that scares me to death. And I looked at some of the the health stuff on him, and he has some kind of a bone spur in his, I think it's his ankle, that just is irritating him, and that's keeping him from playing, and he's having to play through some pain. So it's something that that to me doesn't look like it's just going to simply go away, and so that is a big red flag to me. But obviously, if you pair someone with his talent, um, with someone like Amos that they've already brought in... Could make for a great match, but um, you know, I don't know. What do you? Let's let's uh, talk about some more realistic options, maybe. I don't know.
1: Yeah, well, and and one of the other things to consider is certainly that the Packers have a lot of their own free agents that they could look at bringing back. Um, and the one that I wanted to talk a little bit about is Bashad Breland. So I wanted to get your thoughts first on on bringing back Breland.
0: Yeah, I know a lot of people are ready to move on pr- from Breland. I'm one that really did want him back. Um, I think that that could be a good investment. I know when you're looking at this roster, you've really only got the four uh, corners out there with uh, Tremont kind of hanging out there as a fifth option. I really think he gives you a veteran presence. And we know that Jair Alexander has said that he wants – Breland back so I don't know if we want to give him you know uh, the authority to say what we should do with roster moves and those kinds of things but I was thinking you could get Breland for like a four and a half million dollar contract or something like that for maybe like a two-year deal or something like that I didn't know that he put enough on film this year to warrant a big contract but there are rumors out there that he may command in the seven to eight million dollar a year range and for me that would be too rich but I would really like to have him back
1: yeah and you you and I are usually on the same page when it comes to different players, but I just do not understand the obsession with Breeland. <laughs> he was fine this year, and maybe fine is even too strong in my language. In my opinion, he's a below average nFL corner, and when people start talking about bringing him back at four or five million dollars per year or even seven or eight, like you're talking about, I don't get how he's worth that much. I don't even get how he's worth over the NFL minimum. Yeah, he made some big plays on defense. I was I was, you know, at the 10-yard line when he intercepted that pass that he brought back for a touchdown. It was exciting. And he made some big plays on defense. But he was also responsible for his share of big plays against the defense. So I'm comfortable with him as a depth piece. But under no circumstance would I want him back as anything more than a fourth or fifth cornerback. Um, And then there's some other interesting um, things to think about when it comes to potential returning players. I know there uh, were some whispers after the comments that Gutekunst made today that maybe Clay Matthews would be coming back as an off-ball linebacker or a a third-down pass-rushing specialist. Um, It's also interesting to note that we've heard little to nothing about Randall Cobb in free agency. And so um, you know, could that potentially be a really cheap comeback if he doesn't find what he's looking for on the open market? Um, but enough about free agency. Uh we had a pack a day emergency podcast on Tuesday. We had Wednesday's podcast. We had Thursday's show to break down the impact of the new signings on the roster, news from around the league, and the impact on the NFC North. But at heart Kyle and I are draft knicks. and so how else would we talk about free agency than to talk about how it impacts Green Bay's options in the draft, right? Because that's yeah, what free absolutely.
0: agency is for. Absolutely. <laughs> you uh, go into free agency so you can talk about the draft. Uh, but this week, we did shock the world as the Packers by securing the service of not one, but to impact pass rushers. And not only did the Packers double down on these pass rushers, they doubled down on Smiths, bringing in both Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith Uh, Zedarius has been with the Baltimore Ravens since 2015 when he was selected in the fourth round of the draft out of Kentucky where he played with Bud Dupree who was you know the premium option coming out of Kentucky Uh, but Preston Smith comes to the Packers from Washington where he's been since 2015 when he was drafted in the second round by the Redskins so clearly we expected the Packers would address the edge position but I don't think anyone could have predicted that they would go after it with the aggressiveness that they did and the Packers did not shy away from using big money to secure Preston and Zedarius. They both received massive paydays and four-year contracts, but Russ Ball is a magician, and these contracts are basically two-year deals with team options in years three and four. So, a remarkable job of the Packers getting in top-tier talent and protecting themselves in the event that these contracts do go sideways for some reason. Uh, But the thing I love about these pass rushers, they're both 26 years old. They are in the prime of their career and they they're really yet to reach their full potential. So, I love that Green Bay has paid for young ascending players and last year we saw a complete renovation of the Packers' cornerback room. It was a room that was just really disappointing for a long time. And it certainly seems like the Packers are intent on doing the same with their edge rushers this year. But Packer fans have been adamant the Packers should consider edge rushers in the draft. So where do these signings leave us, Andrew? What should we talk about as it relates to the draft?
1: Yeah, and and one interesting thing to um, consider is that not only did they sign Zedarius and Preston Smith, but those two players are going to be coached by Mike Smith. What is the deal with that? They love the Smiths, man. I I guess so. Um, I didn't even realize that until Zadaria said it today during the press conference. So uh, kind of a weird coincidence there. And so certainly signing those two doesn't exclude the Packers from drafting an edge at pick 12. If they have an edge as the top player on the board, then I'm all in. However, I would use a little bit of caution when it comes to the philosophy of you can never have enough edge rushers. Because Denver drafted Shane Ray in the first round four years ago and figured, well, we could always use more pass rushers. And even though Ray has been far from a bust, he never got enough playing time to justify his draft stock. And now he's leaving the team via free agency. And with Smith, Smith, and Fackrell, um, which I would consider your quarterback personal injury attorneys, the, the rookie may not get a ton of playing time right away. So, for the Packers to pass on a great tackle or tight end to draft an edge rusher because they're afraid that their free agents won't be enough, that that just doesn't work for me. And I'd totally be in favor of trading down if they aren't in love with anyone at pick 12. And I really, really love the idea that this could put Ed Oliver into play, because... To me, he's one of the top two or three players in this draft, and he keeps sliding. And so at pick 12, that would be a really attractive option for me. But this just shows what an incredible job Brian Gutekunst did this week. He took a position we were all panicking about all offseason, even last week, and made us think it really isn't that big of a priority anymore. Yeah, it is crazy
0: to see how this position has changed in just a couple short days. And there are a lot of names that you know fans and draft pundits have thrown out that the Packers should consider at pick number 12. And one of those names that has come up a little bit less often, but still often enough, uh, is Cleland Farrell of Clemson. And I just wanted to note really quick here while we're talking about edge rushers uh, that Farrell did have his pro day today at Clemson but did not work out due to a toe issue that came up earlier this week. So that's definitely something that we will be monitoring as Packer fans. The, The league will be monitoring. The most important thing is here he's going to have an incomplete athletic profile, and so that's going to be really hard for teams to make a determination, especially when there are agility questions, when there are bend questions about Farrell. Um, and how he will hold up at the NFL level and those kinds of things. So he wasn't probably in play at 12, although he's going in the late teens, but someone that could be available at pick 30 for the Packers if they do want to bolster that already
1: much improved edge rushing room. Yeah, and so then we wanted to move on to uh, safety Adrian Amos. Yeah, Adrian Amos,
0: uh, another position that the Packers have really been kind of in a panic over is the safety position. And that's where Adrian Amos comes in. He was brought in on a four-year contract that averages about $9 million a year, which has been graded as one of the best value signings of this free agency period, or according to pro football focus. And I think this is especially true. If we compare his contract to the contracts of players like Tyron Matthew and Landon Collins, who are each earning $14 million a year. So a great job
1: by, Brian Gutekunst and Russ Ball filling a need here and getting a great deal in Adrian Amos. Yeah, and Green Bay certainly got that great deal with Amos, like you said, but they still have a need at the other safety position. So Ken Bryce likely will not return, and Josh Jones hasn't shown the consistency to be a starter in the NFL, and he might be switched to linebacker anyways. They may sign another starter in free agency, but the Packers have to address safety at some point in the draft, whether they acquire another veteran or not. I'm not a huge fan of taking a safety in the first round of this year's draft. And the reason is, there seems to be a big four for me. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Nasir Adderley, Deontay Thompson, Juan Thornhill. And I don't see a ton of separation between them. So I'd prefer that Gudekunst waits until at least the second round to address the position. And they will likely have to take another one in the middle rounds for depth purposes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And before we move on from safety, uh, I am really, really excited about this
1: Amos pickup.
0: And so I just wanted to throw out a few numbers from Pro Football Focus to kind of illuminate who Amos is. Amos was the eighth best safety in the game last season, according to Pro Football Focus. Kentrell Bryce graded as the 87th safety in 2018. If you are counting at home, and there's typically two safeties on the field, unless you're Mike Pettin, I guess, but you'd think there'd be like 64. You want, you kind of want to be in that top 64, so if you're 87th, that's pretty low. Uh, but from 8 to 87, that's a 79 slot improvement at one position, so that's absolutely huge. Uh, also on Twitter on Thursday, Steve Palazzolo, who is really bad at mock drafts, but really good at analytics, uh, noted that Adrian Amos has had the fifth lowest percentage of negatively graded plays among safeties in coverage in each of the last two seasons. So he's a guy who's obviously going to positively impact games for sure, but he's also not going to make mistakes that cost your team, which is something that the Packers certainly will Value in Amos. Uh, One more note Thursday afternoon, Adrian posted a poll on Twitter asking fans to help him pick his jersey number. He asked the fans to help him choose between 26 or 31. So he'll likely be wearing one of those two numbers, we would imagine. But even more, it is interesting that those numbers previously belonged to Bashad Breland and Devon House. So maybe speaking to their future or lack thereof in Green Bay. But we might just see him in 26 or 31. Um, But let's talk a little bit about offensive guard or offensive lineman, if we want to be a little bit vague, as the Packers have been. Billy Turner, who was brought in, Um, as excited as I've been about Preston and Zedarius and Adrian, we're on a first-name basis here. Uh, The Billy Turner signing was one that made me scratch my head just a little bit. The contract appears to be an overpay for someone who hasn't been a full-time starter in the league. That said, he does provide versatility and gives the Packers someone... Who could start at guard right away, but could also be a better swing tackle than what they've had in a while and and what they have in Jason Spriggs. So, uh, Andrew, what did you think of the Turner
1: signing? Well, first of all, Billy Turner sounds like a kid who would live down the block. Like, I heard that Billy Turner broke his arm trying to climb Miss Radford's apple tree. So for that alone, I am going to judge him pretty harshly.
0: That seems pretty fair. I was actually thinking uh, that maybe Brian Gudekunst is a big Pirates of the Caribbean fan, and this was like Bootstrap Bill, you know, yeah. Bootstrap Billy Turner, you know, like he. I don't know. I just it's possible he like has a really big, you know, obsession with Pirates of the Caribbean. That's where I yeah, was. Yeah,
1: any anything is possible. But uh, for me, this is an okay signing. You get a capable starting right guard. He has a ton of versatility. To me, he's the new Don Barclay. Um, and I don't think it changes the Packers draft strategy at all. If Dalton Reisner is someone they love, I could still see, in the, see them taking him at 30. Or if they decide that they're going to trade down from 12 and acquire some additional draft resources, I could see a trade up from 44 to get Reisner. I do wonder if this impacts their thinking about a tackle at 12. Like, if Jawan Taylor fell, sure, nab him up. But the attractiveness of a guy like Jonah Williams is that you could have him play right guard for a year and then put him at right tackle in the post-Brian Balaga era. And then there's always somebody like Andre Dillard from Washington State, which I do not like at pick 12, but he fits all the old Packers offensive line athletic profiles. But at any rate, O-line is getting addressed in the draft, likely at multiple points, likely early, but it is a lot less urgent with the addition of Turner.
0: And what you have to like about it, even if you don't like the contract, is that the Packers did make a move to put them in position to not have to prioritize that at any particular pick. They can kind of like let the board fall and, and address need as the value is there. So uh, do Definitely. like that part of the signing for sure. Uh, but let's talk about a few guys who are coming back to the pack. 2019, uh, Mercedes Lewis and Geronimo Allison um, are coming back. And I know yesterday's podcast team talked a little bit about Mercedes Lewis, but I've got to take just a second to humble brag here. Uh, in late January, I noted that Lewis and new Packers offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett were close. Uh, when they were both with the Jaguars and that the two had even stayed in contact over those last couple seasons. I couldn't help but wonder if that relationship, kind of coupled with Matt LaFleur's need for elite blocking tight ends, might entice Lewis to come back for one more go with the Packers. And sure enough, Lewis is back for 2019 on a one-year deal, uh, probably one last effort at a ring, before retirement. And I had honestly completely forgot <laughs> that we had discussed the Hackett-Lewis relationship back in January until uh, Andrew reminded me on Twitter. So shout out uh, to Andrew for letting me flaunt my take here. Uh, so so thanks, Andrew. But uh, how do we feel about Geronimo being tendered by the Packers?
1: Yeah, I will never let anybody forget when I am right. So I figured I at <laughs> least owed you that much. Um, but as far as Geronimo Allison, I really forgot how much I liked him. I used to always write an article for PackersTalk.com about the undrafted rookie free agents right after they signed. And when Geronimo was signed, I predicted he would make the roster. So I've always really liked him. And he started out last season on a tear, which I'm pretty sure the fan base has forgotten about because of the way last season went. Um, the catch against Chicago and the dramatic comeback, which you're going to hear on the outro, it was it was just ridiculous. And he had 20 catches for 303 yards and two touchdowns through five games before the injury. So I did a little bit of math, which I'm not super strong at. But that is a pace of 64 catches, 969 yards, and six touchdowns, which I think would be fantastic for a second receiver, especially in this offense. And I really think he'll be more of a number three this year. Um, So I, I really like the idea of bringing back Geronimo Allison, and I think um, Mercedes Lewis is going to be a great compliment for what LaFleur and Hackett want to do. But, anyways, that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Packaday Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore pundit. And you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Please remember to also follow at Packaday Podcast. Subscribe and rate the podcast if you like what we're doing. Tomorrow's episode is going to be hosted by Jake and Mark. You can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday. We'll be back next week with continued coverage of the NFL offseason. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember.
2: Sunday night football in the start of a historic season for the Green Bay Packers. Rodgers in the shotgun, here's the snap, rushes on, Rodgers nowhere to go, and he snowed under. Back inside the 30, and Rodgers is down. Roy Robertson, Harris, Khalil Mack, and Rodgers unable to get up. Oh, my goodness. Wow. 19 from the green bay 30 snap to kaiser under pressure immediately dumps it up right side it's intercepted intercepted by khalil mack circle route to the 15 to the 10 he's to the five to the end zone touchdown oh my goodness khalil max had a sack fumble recovery interception return for a touchdown Chicago 20, Green Bay nothing. Wayne, I actually see Aaron on the sideline throwing. Well, that's a good sign. Yep, he is. Of the shotgun, snap to A-Rod. Looking downfield, throws it over the middle. Randall Cobb is there. Makes a spinning grab just outside of the left-hand mark. J.K. Scott, Mason Crosby. Here's the snap. Placement made. Kick is up. And it is good. Cool. So the Packers on the board with 3.37 to go in the third. Snap to A-Rod, looking around and waiting. Locks it, deep down the right side. Allison, in the end zone, makes a spectacular catch. Touchdown! What a throw, and what a catch. And the Packers get back into it. Corey Lindsley on the snap, four-man line for the Bears, they're coming on a blitz up the middle, they pick it up, Rodgers looks, lost, left side, got a man out there Devontae Get him out, got it upside, like 50, cutting right to the point, turns up field and put 35, 30 to the 25, and down they go, inside the 25, at the Chicago 28, snap to Rodgers, under a blitz, Rodgers tight pocket, steps up, throws a left, got Devontae inside the 10, head back, cuts left to the Snap to A-Rod. Rushes on. Has time. Looking. Close middle. Yes. Got